Welcome to Faith of Our Fathers. Today, we feature Dr. George Sweeting. He was pastor at the Moody Bible Church from 1966 until 1971. Afterwards, he became chancellor for the Moody Bible Institute. On March 15th in 1990, Dr. Sweeting was a guest speaker at the WDAC 31st Anniversary Banquet held at the Willow Valley Conference Center. His message is, God's Love Covers. I had the joy of serving at Moody Bible Institute for many years, at Moody Church as senior pastor, then 16 years as president, now as chancellor. And as chancellor, I had the chance of traveling all over the world. Last week, I was in the Bahamas with Charles Stanley on a large cruiser with about 1,200 people and uh, teaching to those people every morning. What a time that was. Uh, next weekend, I'll be in Port Washington, Port uh, Washington, uh, in the state of Washington. And the following week, Melbourne, Australia. And so I have the joy of sharing in different places. Uh, I like to write. My first love is sharing and teaching. My second love is writing. And I try to finish a book a year. Uh, two brand new ones, uh, Lessons from the Life of D.L. Moody, 17 chapters on why God used this man. And uh, they'll be at the main entrance as you go out, a few of them. And then Secrets of Excellence, taken from Psalm 8, and the marks of excellence is found in the Bible. I think you'll enjoy both of them. You stop back there as you leave, and uh, there are cassettes there and a lot of other interesting things. I want to take a verse from 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7, where the Apostle Paul, speaking about God's love, says, Love beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. And I'm thinking about the covering power of God's love. God's love covers. I think of a young man many centuries ago named Augustine. Some call it Augustine. He was a mixed-up young man. His mother just about gave up on him. He ran away from Carthage, North Africa, where he grew up, and went to the city of Rome. And there in the city of Rome, God followed him and spoke to him, and he realized his need of forgiveness and his need of divine strength. Now, the Lord used an unusual verse to arrest him. It was a verse from the book of Romans, chapter 13, verse 14, where it says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Augustine, as a young man, was very immoral. He had appetites and he didn't know how to control them. As I said before, his mother just about gave up on him, but she kept praying for him. And there in the city of Rome, reading this unusual verse from Romans 13, 14, God spoke to him. And he said, Lord, I give myself to you. I want my sin to be forgiven. I want to be covered by your love. And I want to put on Christ. And I want his strength to be my strength. And I will not make provision for the lust of the flesh. Well, he decided to go home, and so he took the next boat back to Carthage, North Africa. When he arrived there, a companion of former days was there. And she looked and she said, Augustine, it is I. 
And as he thought of the former days and his relationship to this girl, he decided that he was to do one thing, and that was run from her. He was really putting into practice the second part of this verse, make not provision to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I think a lot of people fall because they plan to fall. Many people fail because they subconsciously plan to fail and fall. But Augustine turned from this woman and he ran and she called and she said, why do you run as I? And without looking back, he called back, I run because I'm not I. He was a new person. He had put on Christ. He said, your strength will be my strength in the future. Your mind will be my mind. I will not make provision to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And Augustine had his sins covered by the wonderful love of God. Well, this verse in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7, says, love beareth all things. It's a Greek word, and it's the word stego. And it has several meanings. The first meaning is like a roof covers us, God's love covers us. A roof protects me from the rain or from the sun or from the wind or from the snow. And God's love covers me and protects me like a roof. And when you study both the Old Testament and the New Testament, you find verses that tell us that. The Bible says, I've removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. He said, I've blotted them out like a thick cloud. Another place, he said, I've put them behind my back. And the Bible exhausts the possibility of language to show us how completely God covers our past sin. But God's love not only covers like a roof, God's love covers like a blanket. Sometimes we ask the question, why do good people fall? Once in a while, good men fail. Once in a while, good women fail. I think in the Old Testament about Noah. Noah had been a good man. In fact, he's listed in Hebrews 11, the great chapter of faith. But he fell. After walking with God, after obeying God, after serving God, the scripture says he planted himself a vineyard. And it says he drank of the wine and was drunken and was uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Cana, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it on their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. That's a picture of God's love. God's love not only covers like a roof, it covers like a blanket. You have boys and they loved their father. They knew he was a good man. They knew he was used of God. They knew that he was a faithful man, but something happened and he fell. They weren't sure why he fell, but he did fall, intoxicated from the wine, uncovered in his tent, naked in his tent. He lay there, and the older brother said to the younger brothers, Dad's in there, he's drunken, he's uncovered. And when the boys heard it, they thought, we don't understand this, but we're going to go in backward, we'll not look at him, and we're going to take a blanket and we're going to cover them. You know, that's a picture of God's love. A picture of the strategy of God's love. When you don't know all the answers, when you don't have all the details, what are you to do? You're to throw a blanket over that brother or that sister. You're to cover them, not even looking upon them, and commit it to the Lord who is the avenger and the judge. God's love covers like a roof. But God's love not only covers like a roof, it covers like a blanket. 
I think of an illustration of that in, in the New Testament. Remember how Joseph was in love with Mary? And what a wonderful relationship that must have been. They were deeply in love. But then one day, Joseph learned that Mary was to have a child. In Matthew 1.19, it says, Then Joseph, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. He thought, I don't understand this. I know I'm innocent. I know I'm pure. I know I'm a just man. I know I'm not responsible. But the one I love is expecting, and I don't understand this. There are a lot of things you don't understand in life. A lot of things I don't understand in life. We don't know all the answers. Joseph didn't understand. And a, a war was going on in him. He thought, I'm honest, so I, I can't sweep this under the rug. But it said he was minded to put her away privately. That's a picture of God's love. When you don't know all the answers, you put a blanket over the person. You're minded to put them away privately. But the scripture says in the next verse, but while he thought on these things, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, for that which is conceived in her is conceived of the Holy Ghost. And so Joseph was given the answer. But when you don't know the answer, God's love covers like a roof, but more than that, God's love covers like a blanket. There's another wonderful meaning in the word stego is found in this marvelous verse, and that is it means to support, like pillars support. We have pillars uh, in front of me, and these pillars are part of the structure that support the roof. And so this simply says that as a believer in Christ, I'm to be a supportive person, and I'm to lift up people, I'm to encourage them, I'm to build them up. That's one of the purposes of this banquet is to encourage you and inspire you and build you up in the things of God. Mark Twain said he could go for two months on one good compliment. I wonder how often do we give a good compliment. But I believe that God's love is supportive. It not only covers like a roof, it not only covers like a blanket, but like pillars it supports. And I wonder, are we supportive of our children, of our loved ones? of our neighbors, our friends, God's love is supportive. Many years ago, I decided to write letters to people who were helpful to me, and I wrote many letters. I remember a Sunday school teacher in my home church. He was the most unforgettable Sunday school teacher I ever had. He only graduated grade school. He had a laundry truck, but he had a class in our local church of a hundred boys. Now, anyone who can teach a hundred boys and keep their attention for 45 minutes has to have a lot going for them. Johnny would read a verse, and he'd come to a hard verse in the Bible. He'd come to a hard word in the Bible. He'd comment on what he had read, and then he'd start on the other side of the word. Very ingenious. He never could say Judas Iscariot. He'd always say Judas is a carrot. And uh, we'd sit back there and nudge each other and hee-haw a little bit. But Johnny was a wonderful teacher. He loved us. He's the one who inspired us when we were children. I remember I grew up in North Jersey, and he'd take us to the missions of New York, and we'd work in the Bowery. And then we'd go to the Jerry McCauley mission, and he'd say, George, you're going to lead singing tonight. So at 14, I'd try to lead singing. And then he'd say, you're going to preach. I'll never forget the first time I preached. I had three messages that I worked on, and I gave them all in seven minutes' time. <laughs> but Johnny Rowe was an inspiration to us. He was a supporter. And I'll never forget as he grew older, he went through a time of deep depression and 
I wrote that letter, and he said, come see me. And I went to see him, and I had a chance to read to him, to pray with him, to tell him what he meant in our lives, how many were serving the Lord around the world, all because of his teaching, all because of his godly example, because he was a role model. And that's what God's love does. God's love gets next to somebody and lifts them up. God's love not only protects like a roof, it shelters like a roof, it covers like a blanket, but like pillars, it's supportive. My father came from Glasgow, Scotland. He was about 25 when he made a profession of faith in Christ. He played a little Scottish instrument. He was a semi-professional soccer player, and he was a rough individual. But when he came to the Lord, he went to his father, who was a stonemason like my father was, and he said, I've become a believer, I've made a profession of faith, I'm going to live a different life, no more gambling. And he gave up the soccer because he couldn't separate it at that time in his thinking. And uh, his father laughed at him and he said, oh, you'll get over it. A little bit after that, he immigrated to the United States and landed in the state of New Jersey, and that's where I was born. My father was a wonderful father. He witnessed his father, but his father never listened. He shared with his mother, and she was a lovely lady, but she never listened. I remember on Sundays, we'd have to write to our grandparents. I never saw them till I was 29 years of age, but I would write to them faithfully every Sunday. All six children did, and we would be supportive. My father used to brag about his father. He said, son, your, your grandfather was quite a man. He said, in fact, he said he played golf till he was 87. I said, why'd he quit? He said, he lost the ball. <laughs> Scots are very frugal. I saw a sign on a Scottish golf course that said, please do not pick up lost balls until they stop rolling. <laughs> but uh, I'll never forget, I was holding a crusade in Glasgow, Scotland. And it was a cold January afternoon, and I decided as soon as I could, I'd get to the home of my grandparents. I'd never seen them, and I wanted to just be with them. Well, in those homes, they didn't have central heating, so on one side, by the fireplace, you'd roast, and on the other side, you'd freeze. And my grandmother made some good tea, strong Scottish tea with scones, and I was sitting there drinking the tea and eating the scones, and, and I started to reminisce. I shared what they meant to my father. I was being supportive. I shared what they meant to my mother, and soon I noticed that they were moved. And then I started very naturally sharing about God's love and his salvation, and I turned to my grandmother and grandfather. My grandfather was a Scottish Presbyterian. All Scots are Presbyterians unless they've been tampered with. And uh, my grandfather, though, was uh, a little Presbyterian and a lot of Scotch. Uh, and he was that kind of a person. But I was sharing, and as I was sharing, I noticed that they were visibly moved. And, and I said to my grandfather, I said, Would you like to give yourself to the Lord? Would you like to believe in Christ? I had read John chapter 3, verse 16, about God's love. And he looked at me and he said, Aye, laddie. And I turned to my grandmother. I said, Would you, grandmother, like to make a profession of faith and put your trust in Christ? And she said, aye, laddie. And I had the thrill of opening the Word of God and gently leading them to faith in their 80s. And it all happened when I was supportive. God's love is supportive. And for many of our children and brothers and sisters and neighbors and friends, when we're supportive, the door opens. And we're able to share God's love. God's love beareth all things. This verse says God's love believeth all things. 
Now, that doesn't mean that God's love is soft or spineless or, or sentimental. It's not a sloppy agape. No, God's love is strong, it's steady, it's mighty. God's love is discerning. God's love is knowledgeable. God's love has its eyes wide open. God's love knows the score. But I do believe that God's love is not overly suspicious. God's love is naturally optimistic. Because of sin, it's natural to be pessimistic. Do you know that? I remember I used to say to my dad, how are you? He'd say, not bad. I'd say, well, dad, if you're not bad, what are you? He said, good. I said, well, when I say, how are you, why don't you say good? He said, I can't say that. And, you know, it's natural to be pessimistic. It really is. When sin entered the world, the ground brought forth thorns and thistles. All of nature is in the minor key. The, the sheep bleat in the minor key. The, do the dog barks in the minor key. The song of the bird, it's in the minor key. The wind is in the minor key. The thunder is in the minor key. The ground brings forth thorns and thistles. No one ever plants crabgrass. You see, it's very natural to be negative. It is natural to be negative. Norman Vincent Peale has a book on the power of positive thinking, and there's a lot of good in that book. J. Vernon McGee has a book on the power of negative thinking, and that's like J. Vernon McGee, but the whole Decalogue is negative. The Ten Commandments are all negative. Every one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, both are important. It's not either or. The Bible usually deals with the negative, and then it deals with the positive. But sometimes people are so negative. Robert Fulton was born not far from here, I think in Strasbourg. I remember seeing a building and it said Robert Fulton was born here. He invented the steamboat. I was at the Smithsonian about three weeks ago and I looked at a replica of the steamboat invented by Robert Fulton. When he invented it, the crowds gathered and they were waiting for it to start and it didn't start and they waited hour after hour and then they started to chant, it'll never start, it'll never start, but then it did start. And they must have been disappointed because they started to chant, it'll never stop, it'll never stop, it'll never stop. And sometimes we're so negative. I heard about a man who had an unusual dog, and he was out hunting, he saw a duck, shot the duck, duck fell on the water. This dog was so unusual, it ran on top of the water, got the duck and brought it back. And he looked at his fellow hunters, and they didn't even acknowledge the feet of his dog. A little later in the day, he saw another duck, shot it, duck fell on the water, dog ran on top of the water, got the duck, brought it back, and he looked to his friends to say something, and they didn't say anything. He said, look, guys, he said, didn't you notice anything unusual about my dog? They said, yeah, he can't swim. <laughs> we get so negative, don't we? They say when two pessimists meet, they don't shake hands, they shake heads. They say a pessimist is somebody who's seasick for the whole journey of life. But I think uh, there is optimism. Vance Havner used to say an optimist is a man with misty optics. Dr. Criswell said an optimist is a 75-year-old man who marries a 35-year-old wife and buys a 13-room house next to a grade school. Well, how can I be optimistic in the kind of world we live in? <laughs> how can I be optimistic? I'll tell you why not because of my innate talent, not because of something within that I draw upon, but because of Christ who's in me. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
And I can only be an optimist because I know he is the victor and he will reign. He is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. He is the sovereign one. And through his amazing grace, I'm linked to him. I don't deserve it, but I am linked to him. And because of him, I can believe. As it says here in verse 7, love believeth all things. I think how in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, it says, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think of Romans 8.31 where it says, since God is for us, who can be against us? Do you know God's for you tonight? I don't care who you are. He's for you. He's not neutral about you. He's enthusiastically for you. And since God is for me, it really doesn't matter who's against me. We often forget the next verse, but the next verse says that freely with him, he gives us all things. That's Romans 8, verse 32. All things. Now that ought to make you an optimist. And then Revelation 19, 6 speaks of the final day when we stand with him around the throne. And the four and twenty elders say, Hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. This love believes, this love perseveres, this love is not suspicious. But the phrase says, God's love endures all things. And that's what Steve was singing to us about. God's love is faithful. God's love is dependable. God's love signs up for the long haul. I don't know how long John DeBrine's been going at it, but I, I've known John for 41 years. God's love signs up for the long haul. Now it says this love endures all things. It's a Greek word. The Greek word for beareth is stego. The Greek word for endureth is hupomoni, and it really means to remain under, to stay under, to persevere. You know, a lot of marriages are falling apart because one doesn't want to remain under one doesn't want to be in subjection. One doesn't want to make sacrifices. Churches struggle because people who claim to follow Jesus don't want to have obligations. You get strong as you take obligations. One of my board members is Maxie Jarman. He's gone to be with the Lord now, but he had 75,000 employees. He had the Maxie Shoe Company, but more than that, he had a, a great apparel company with all of these people who worked for him. And he said to me, he said, you know, when my life started to take significance, he said, I was 21. My pastor came to me and asked if I'd take a men's class in the Sunday school. And I said, Pastor, I don't know the Bible. I can't teach, and I can't express myself. He talked to his father about it, and his father said, Son, take the class. And Maxie, as a young man, took the class and taught it for 44 years. The Sunday school class became a class of 500 men. Max, he said, two things happened. He said, I learned the Bible. He said, I learned way more than any man in that class ever learned. I had to prepare to teach, and I learned the Bible. Secondly, I learned to speak. He said, I learned to communicate. And I believe that the reason my business was blessed and I had the business that I had was because I put myself under the authority of the church and under the authority of the Sunday school. And for 44 years, I was faithful faithful to Christ and faithful to the church, I made my life count for him. I was in Dallas, Texas some time ago, and I saw a bulletin that said, No Excuse Sunday. And as I read it, I chuckled. 
It says cots will be placed in the foyer for those who say, Sunday is my only day to sleep in. We'll have steel helmets for those who say, the roof will cave in if I ever come to church. Blankets will be furnished for those who say the church is too cold. And fans will be there for those who say it's too hot. We'll have hearing aids for those who say the preacher speaks too softly. And cotton balls for those who say he speaks too loudly. Scorecards will be present for those who wish to list the hypocrites present that morning. Some relatives will be in attendance for those who like to visit relatives on Sunday. There will be TV dinners for those who can't go to church and also cook Sunday dinner. One occasion will be devote one one section will be devoted to trees and grass for those who like to see God in nature. And finally, the sanctuary will be decorated with Christmas poinsettias and Easter lilies for those who have never seen the church without them. <laughs> we laugh and it is humorous, but I wonder how faithful are we. God's love is not only tender, it's tough. God's love hangs in there. I have an artist friend in Chicago who's a great watercolorist. And uh, he was doing watercolors of Chicago from the top of the Hancock building. And he asked me to come up with him. And I'm a graduate of the Art Institute of Chicago. And so I went to the top and we strapped ourselves around the antennas and we were doing watercolors. And the wind was so strong, if you weren't strapped, you'd be blown off. But when we went up one day, the elevator operator, and they don't have one right now, but they did when it was first built, she was so happy. And I said, how are you this morning? And what are you so happy about? She said, oh, I'm going to be married Saturday. I said, great. I said, that's wonderful. I said, I've been married a long time. Nothing like it. I said, just think you and your husband are going to be together for the next 40 years. She looked at me and she said, 40 years? I said, sure, what did you think it was? I said, it's till death do us part. She said, oh, I never thought of it that way. I said, well, I'd suggest you think of it that way. You know, this kind of divine love hangs in there. Not only in a marriage relationship, but in the local fellowship and in all the things of life. It endures. Francis of Assisi was working in his garden and someone said, what would you do if you were suddenly told that you were going to die tonight? He said, I'd finish hoeing my garden. I'd finish hoeing my garden. Are you steadfast? Are you faithful? God's love not only covers, God's love believes. And God's love endures. It hangs in there. We've had 21 of our graduates martyred. We're 104 years young and stretching to touch our world. 23,000 of our graduates are serving around the world. I think of a young man right from this area, Chet Bitterman, who became a martyr not too long ago, a few years ago now. But I think of two of our young people quite a few years ago, John and Betty Stam, how they went to China when it was just becoming a communistic nation. And they labored there, learning the language, and then sharing and building up the little church. And one day the communists came to their town and scaled the walls, threw open the doors, and went into the town and started indiscriminately shooting at people. And John came and pleaded with them not to kill other Chinese. And they took John and Betty and they marched them out of town. They beat a Chinese doctor and then they said to John, kneel down. And John knelt down. His hands were tied behind him. 
and in just a matter of seconds, a sword came down, and he was decapitated. Betty fell next to him, shuddered, and in a few more seconds, the sword descended again, and both of them were martyred. They were brilliant young people. Someone said, what a waste. No, no, it wasn't a waste. The blood of the martyrs is still the seed of the church. Because of their sacrifice, literally thousands of other men and women rose up and went to the islands of the sea and all of Asia, hoping that they could fill in for John and for Betty. John and Betty were faithful. God's love is that kind of a love. It hangs in there. It endures. But the greatest example of that love, of course, is our Lord Jesus. I think how in the Gospel of John, the 19th chapter, how our Lord was being crucified. They mocked him. They made a crown of thorns. When sin came into the world, the ground brought forth thorns. So they took the very symbol and made a mock crown and pushed it on his brow and took a stick to resemble a kingly scepter and put it in his fingers and took a torn shawl and threw it over his back. And instead of a throne, it was a rugged cross. Instead of a kingdom, soon it would be the shrunken, narrow dimensions of a borrowed tomb. They mocked him, and the crowd said, Come down. It's human to come down. All around I see people coming down. They lived for the Lord ten years and quit. They lived for him twenty years and run quite well. And then they retire. All around I see people coming down. They said, Come down. It's human to come down. It doesn't take any superior intelligence to quit. It's divine to hang there. And Jesus stayed there. And John 19 says, Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled the sponge with vinegar and put upon it hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, listen, it is finished. It is finished and bowed his head and gave up his spirit. God's love endures. It hangs there. It doesn't give up. It's faithful. It makes a decision. It makes a commitment, and it lives and it dies by that commitment. And I would ask you to make a commitment so great that you would make hell gasp for breath. You've been listening to Dr. George Sweeting. Listen to Faith of Our Fathers each Sunday to hear more great 20th century preachers.